Hey, Richard here. Thanks for downloading the Jones the Bad podcast. Let's get on with the show. My guest today is someone who has been around cricket in Wales for the past 20 years. Dave Kirtley grew up in Sussex, where he played for Eastbourne Cricket Club and Sussex Under-19s. He had a handful of second 11 games before coming to Cardiff at the back end of the 90s to study at the College of Knowledge King Coyd. That's where myself and Dave met when we first played together for Cardiff Met, then known as UIC. Dave relocated to Cardiff and joined Cardiff Cricket Club, where he has filled a number of roles, including player, captain and currently chairman. Dave is a member of the MCC and has recently been involved in the ECB steering group to look at participation at recreational level. Dave is the man behind BatsOutCricket.com, a small business that provides club players with the best bats on the market. In this episode, we will discuss the early days at UIC, captaincy and the direction Dave would like to see Welsh cricket heading. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Kurt. How are you doing, mate? Hey, Richie. It's, uh, I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem, mate. No problem. I said in the intro that uh, we met back in Cardiff in what would have been about 98, 99, uh, when we first played cricket together for, for Cardiff, right. Cardiff Met, or UIC as it was called then. What's your memories of that, mate? It's, I mean, I think very different from what it is now. It was very much uh, player-led, you know, and just things like, you know, it might sound bizarre to some of your listeners. You know, we, we didn't have mobile phones or no. I think we'd only just got to grips with emails maybe. So, you know, you're phoning around house phones and, you know, running everything, you know, properly as a club and hiring out minibuses and, and all Driving that sort of stuff. Driving the minibuses. <laughs> Driving the minibuses, yeah. So we had to check who had a clean license and who wanted to do it. And, you know, so it was it was just different times. It was very much player-led, but it was uh, it was great fun. And, we you know, we were a successful side then as well. And, um yeah, and I think, you know, the, the, the year that we both finished at, as you said, probably sort of 97, 98. I know the, the first team finished runners-up to Durham University, who I think at the time had nine contracted professionals in. And we were we were this university side coming up from Cardiff and playing against them in the, what was the Busa final. Um, and lost them narrowly. And I think our second team won the whole competition up in up in Sheffield. So it was, it was, it was great times, really good times. It was times. good times. So some good players back there. I remember playing with uh, Robbo, of course. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was Christian Bell, Simon Jones, Ian Capon, Gareth Hopkins, Ian Thomas, Owen yeah. Thomas. There was uh, it was a great yeah, it was a great bunch of boys. It really great was bunch. good memories. Uh, and so, as I said um, in the intro, you are now with Cardiff, and uh, yeah. you're chairman of Cardiff. So yeah, uh, that's going well. He's going well. Yeah, it's uh, we sort of created a monster with the All Star stuff a few years back, and we've now got. I think the last count, we've got about 350 people playing at the club from our youngest, probably three or four year old all star through to, you know, we've got yeah. a couple of guys knocking around at 70 years old. So, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's a great place. To am, be, I, am I right in thinking that John Welsh and Rutley run the barbecue? Am I thinking they are that the right? Barbecue, they are the barbecue <laughs> kings. Fantastic. And without people like that, you know what it's like. The club can function without people like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also you're involved in this um, ECB steering group looking at uh, participation um, yeah. in recreational cricket? So, I, I, I mean, I just approached them probably uh, maybe about a year ago because they came up and did some stuff. It was less than a year. They came up to Cardiff and did some stuff for the World Cup. And I met with Nick Pride then, who's the director of participation and retention. And I just said, listen, you know, if you want any you know, um, support or help or advice or whatever it is from, I suppose, from the ground, then 
you know, I'd love to help out. And then a couple of months later, he got in contact with me and said, you know, we're putting this steering group together. And it was just looking at, you know, All Stars 2.0, as it was mm. then, it's Dynamos now. It's looking how we thank volunteers, trying to get parents participating in, in it all. So it was really there, the sort of template of what they wanted to do. And we, we just fine tune that. And that's, yeah, that's been, yeah, it's been really rewarding that. And I've, uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I know, certainly at the Fugees, we, we got, really embraced the All-Stars and, yeah. and uh, paying the dividends. Unfortunately, you know, this year was going to be the, the big promotion of Dynamos as well. But uh, yeah. obviously, I think that's going to be put on hold now. But hopefully now everything will kick up again next year. And, you know, we could see the those players starting to come through in our under-11s teams and yeah. under-13s and, and so forth. Um, but let's talk about about bats out then, because I'm yeah. seeing that uh, seeing that everywhere I go on Twitter. You know, you're okay. involved in uh, sponsoring the uh, Twitter coin toss challenge that uh, yeah. Carl uh, put out there the other day. Uh, yeah. Why did you set that up, mate? It was. I mean, I've been really lucky. My brother was a professional cricketer. He played for Sussex in England, and and I used to get either bats from him or I used to get cast offs from the likes of Matt Pryor and. Um, Mike Yardy and I was getting these pro bats for years and years so I was really lucky there and then it was probably about 18 months ago I just I needed a bat and I was just stuck for where I could get a a, a decent bat from I didn't want to order them online there weren't many shops in Cardiff that did you know um decent bats so I contacted Tim and Nick Keeley who used to make bats at Newbury um and just sort of approached them and just said you know how do you feel about you know selling some bats you know throughout South Wales and it's gone from there really and it's yeah, yeah. they're they're two they're two great guys. They've made bats for about 25, 30 years each um, and make bats for some of the best players in the world. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, going definitely. Right, I've, I've seen the Keeley, the Keeley brand is certainly uh, certainly one of the best out there at the moment. A lot of glammy players have, have signed up to Keeley. Uh, yeah, and and they seem to be uh, they seem to be guns. Like you know, see, I do the bat refurbs, and when they come in for a little refurb, a little scuff sheet put on, whatever, they are absolute guns, absolute guns, yeah. all of them. So, uh, yeah, so yeah good luck. Good luck with that, mate. And uh, thank you. I see you're also involved in the um, in the voting uh, one, which is run by Six Cricket, I think. So that's all that's yeah. all going well. All going well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've been asking all my um, all my guests about, you know, what have been the biggest influences um, in their cricket as they're growing up? Uh, what about you, mate? What, what, what influenced you in your cricket? Why you why did you start playing? Do you know what? I can't actually remember why. You know, my parents weren't massively into cricket. My brother, me and my brother, I think it was just one of those things that siblings just fell into. You know, it's a really easy game to play. You know, you don't need much to set up a wicket. You need a bat and a ball and you're, and you're good to go. Um, so we we grew up at Eastbourne College. My dad taught there and we just ended up playing lots of cricket on the playing fields with our mates down there. Um, but you said my my when I grew up, I was playing a lot of cricket down in um, Eastbourne in Sussex. So my influences were people like Richard Housel, who went on to, he was the England fielding coach for a while. And, yeah. you know, the first team was there. So when I was coming up as a teenager, it's people like Paul Stevens and Roger Mile, Dave Meacher, people like that. Um, and I went to school at Clifton College in Bristol and there was a coach there, Jim Andrew. Um, so he was probably the biggest influence uh, growing up. Uh, and then I said, you know, in 96, I moved up to, to, to Cardiff and uh, the rest is history, I guess. Mm. Uh, interesting though you talk about you know your parents were big cricketers and you know and the guests that we've had on so far you know, it's their parents have always you know led them into cricket but I suppose you know when you've got a sibling as well it's quite interesting yeah. the fact that you know you're a batsman he's more of a bowler was it was it always <laughs> the case when you were growing up he did the majority of bowling well I was never out 
So the only way I think you can get out in, in, in backyard cricket was either bold or caught and bold. And, Are you um, older or younger than him? I'm younger. Yeah. Ah, so right. I was I was the younger sibling. So I was never out. I had three chances. <laughs> you could only be out in certain ways. So I think that's just how it, it works out in the end. <laughs> uh, right. So like, like I say, you know, you've played you've played in, in Wales since since about 2000 when you joined Cardiff. Um, yeah. Who are the best batsmen that you've played with and against in the in the in the time that you've played? Well, when I when I first came to the club, we had um, Richard Armand, who heads up the uh, he's head of talent development at Glamorgan, and he he just come over from South Africa, and he he just made the game he just like all these great sportsmen, he just made the game look so easy. Um, yeah. And you'd be watching him from the sidelines, all of a sudden he's forty not out, and you know, and then later on, you know, you, th- you look up again and he's eighty not out, and he just he didn't do it. Um, with much flash or anything like that, he just he just accumulated the runs, and he you know he was he was probably as good as I've played with. He then had Alex French, um, who was one of our sort of younger players back then. We had a season with Mike O'Shea um, in two thousand and nine, and I loved watching him back. He just made again he, he was one of these guys who made the game look so easy. Um, and then of course in in twenty eleven we had Matt Maynard come and play for us, and um, yeah, I mean he was he was just a different. Yeah, he was a different level, but um, yeah, I mean, he was spectacular to watch. Um, and, you know, fortunately, I got to, to spend a bit of time with him at the other end, which is the best place to watch him bat. And he was Absolutely. Uh, yeah. inspirational, really is. He's come up quite a lot, actually, Matthew Maynard, in, in these chats that we've had so Not far. Surprising. And the influence that he's had over, uh, over players. But uh, yeah. OK, so what about these guys who you've played against? Against? Well, it's captain. Do you know what? I mean, I captained a lot of time at Cardiff and I. I always, you always put, I suppose, higher value on certain wickets than others. And I was looking back at this, um, you know, I've listened to the previous podcast and, you know, probably two that stand out, Mike Clayden and Imran at Newport were really mm. up there and he knew that you had to get them out um, to give yourself a chance of winning. Um, you then look back and, you know, people like Alan Evans, who's just churned out runs for about, probably about 45 years now. Um, yeah. And then younger, you know, when we first started out, you know, Tom Maynard, when he was, you know, I think I first played against him when he was 15. Um, and you remember Mark Horrocks, who... Horry, is it? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember <laughs> Horry was steaming. We used to play cricket at Lan Romney and, um, for, for a few seasons and Horry was steaming in at Tom. And, and Tom played a missed in a few and, and Horry just gave him a load of verbals. And then the next one, Horry just went a bit fuller and Tom just planted him with this perfect straight drive. If you played at Land Run, over the hedges, over the tennis courts, and the rest of us were just just laughing at him. And you know, so I remember watching Tom, and Iron Donald was always great to watch. Uh, David Lloyd, you know, when he was playing at yeah. Ponte de Lice. Um yeah. So yeah, there's some. I think we've been quite lucky in uh, what we've seen over the years. I'm gonna have to tag Harry in this because uh, Sean Morris. Uh, he spoke about the time that uh, Brad Haddon hit Horry back over his head for six as well. So that's twice, <laughs> he's, been theme, mentioned, yeah. <laughs> twice he's been mentioned and twice he's been hit back over his head. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, you talk about Mikey Clayton. I taught Mikey Clayton GCSE. Yeah, he was in my class. Uh, Mikey Clayton, he's done well. That would have been a challenge. Uh, it was, mate. It was. We got him through, though. We got him through. Uh, great. So what about these bowlers then? Because obviously you're opening the batting that, that you did. You know, yeah. what bowlers have you played uh, with? You know, you thought, oh, thank God he's on my team. And which players have you played against? So, oh, he's given me the area. I think I think Chris Fowler, he was, our, he was our off spinner for probably about 15 years and taken a million wickets. And he was uh, he was just Mr. Consistent for us. You know, when the you know, when the chips are down and we just needed either to contain things or get things um, 
something to happen. Chris Fowler was our, our man. The way Alan Thomas bowled in 2011, you know, he was bowling speed of light there. You know, he's one of these guys that Matt had a huge influence over that season. Um, and so Tomo from 2011, if I could just pick out one era from his career, he was um, he was probably our best bowler. You know, but we've been lucky with Steph Kelly, James Lewis, and you probably remember Christian Bell. Yeah, um, absolutely. Who bowled this sort of brand of leg spin at the time. We, we hadn't really seen quick leg spin. And he had this run-up that yeah. was longer than most medium yeah. paces and just zipped out this stuff. And I, uh, yeah, I always remember, I hated facing him in the nets and always pleased, um, you know, when he was on my bounce, team. Really, like, get overspin and, yeah, he was uh, a great yeah, bowler. Yeah, I think he was now, probably uh, ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah. Um, now head of P at Rougemont School, Christian. That's so right. I see quite a lot of him. Uh, yeah. What about these guys who you've uh, played against then? Yeah, I mean, the, I suppose the standout ones were, you know, we had we had the pro, you know, the the, the pros are playing a lot of cricket then. So Alex Wharf, I remember facing him the same season. I think he was playing for England. He was playing up at Penturk. Simon Jones, Dave Harrison, Diver. Yeah. I remember Mike Reed was probably Mike Reed was horrible to face because he was he's about eight foot tall and he had this sort of overaction that just came and peppered you in a thigh and some of the bowlers you didn't mind because most of the time you just played and missed and never got hurt and really just he just hurt you and then got you out um and that was never much fun and then Paul Jarvis and he, he had a season at Chepstow once he'd re, you know retired from professional cricket and I remember he was bowling the speed of light down the hill at Sudbrook um and I just remember just trying to just nick it or get something on it so I could just get to the other end and uh, watch it from there yeah uh, and, but and there so was one. What? I tell you what, there was one in particular. Stuart Phelps, the Paul Phelps. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. like he was one of these guys. When he came on to bowl, I, I might as well have just walked to the other end, shaken his hand, and walked off the pitch because it, was, yeah, it wasn't if he was going to get me out. Spin. It was like, is he going to get me out first over or second over? He bowls, so he was he was just accurate and controlled his pace. He had this unbelievable arm ball as well, and um, yeah, so he was probably. You know, if I came back to cricket now, he'd probably haunt me most more than most, I think. Yeah, so I first, first came across Stuart when we played uh, junior cricket together for Welsh yeah. schools, like under 14s, under 15s. Yeah. And yeah, back then, mate, he had it on a string, you know, and yeah. uh, he always knew he was going to be a good player. He was always, and uh, I, I always remember him playing against, um, he got called up for a Grammy against Australia yes, and then bowling to right. Mark War and Mark War at Neath. Mark yeah. was, saw him out first couple of balls and then thought, he's got to go. <laughs> he's got to go into the streets. But yeah, it was great to watch Phelpsy uh, ball. And, you know, he's, he's still he's still playing, yeah, Phelpsy? Yeah. I think he I is. think he's just tipped a thousand wickets, I think. Has he? Absolutely. Think so, yeah. That's uh, well, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, we talked about batsmen, we talked about bowlers. What about keepers? We had uh, Neil Buttigieg. Uh, who's now teaching at Cathedral School, but but he was our keeper from uh, probably for about ten years. And he was um, he was not only a great keeper, he was a fantastic batsman and just technically brilliant. Probably never quite performed as well as he could with the bat, but he was um, he was just yeah, just really nice to watch. I, mean, I think he was he was an unfortunate era. I think he had Mark Wallace and Geraint Jones were the top two, and 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 Butts came in third in that era. Um, and I think if times were different, he would have, um, you know, things might have changed a bit differently for him. And then against, you know, Steve Powell um, was one that 
I always knew that you, if you gave him a sniff, you know, he, he stood up to the medium paces uh, yeah. and some of the quicks indeed. And you knew if you, you had to get back in your crease and you couldn't give him a sniff because if you stepped out, he you lifted your foot, he'd have the bales off in an instant. And then do you remember Paul Richards? Paul Richards from Ponte de Lice, yeah. Yeah. So we had him at the Uick when we were back there. He yeah. was, uh, you know, he was, he was chirping in your ear. Tenacious. Well. I was, he was, yeah. He was a proper little like <laughs> scrum half type keeper. And, uh, but yeah, those are the I say butts butts for us. We were really lucky with, and uh, yeah, and Tom Baker now, you know, he's still doing the business with, you know, um, I probably never realised quite how good he was until I played a couple of minor counties games with him, and uh, yeah, he was just again one of these ones who just made it look easy and and just did the job. Yeah, and and we can have a little chat about all rounders now. So what about you know these guys who are good with the bat and ball? Yeah, again, I think <clears throat> there were two. I remember Lloyd Smith was just. You know, you talk, you know, cricketers have to be good in <clears throat> two disciplines. But Lloyd Smith, he was one of the best fielders, quick, had this uh, rocket brilliant. arm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, just just batted. You know, he came in middle order for this that Sully dream team at the time. He came in, I think, probably about four or five and just took the game away from you pretty quickly. Uh, and then bowled. You know, he's a brilliant bowler. And he, I just, I, you know, I never quite worked out how it didn't work for him because he was unbelievably talented and performed you know almost week yeah. in week out and then you know dan lewis williams who um again i played with him for the mcc at lords a couple of years ago and uh i've always i've always watched like watching him bat and bowl he just does it um very gracefully i think it was a left he was a right arm batter but uh a left arm bowler and he's um yeah he's just great to watch yeah. so you know when we were having a chat about, you know, what we were going to talk about in this podcast, we thought it might be a good idea to talk about uh, captaincy as well. Yeah. You know, and, and the art of captaincy and, and what you yeah. think makes a good captain. Um, uh, you know, it's difficult in the club game because the captain takes on so many roles as just not on the field. Yeah. So, so where would you go, you know, regarding what you're looking for in a good captain? I think, I think as you said, with a club captain, it's, it, there is so much off the field um, stuff. Um, but, you know, if we're focusing on on the field stuff, I think I think the important thing was just working out how to get the best out of your players. And, and the way you react with one player is not necessarily going to work with the others. So some need a bit more of a hug. Some need a bit more of a, um, you know, a stern talking. And I think that was that was the skill is like, how can I get the best out of my players and, and what's going to do that? Do you, you know, do you challenge them in front of everyone or do you have a quiet word? And you've got to work out what works you know we had a few sort of fragile players at Cardiff that just needed a big old hug and tell them how good they were and you know mm. that we really needed them and all that sort of stuff um and then there were others who who, who probably preferred the uh the sterner talking to but on the on the field stuff I, I actually really enjoyed that like the plans coming together um and mm. again you know working out working out what what you know what the batsman didn't want you to do I think that was the key for me is you know and I know with Imran, you know, I was when he was, he just played spin so well, and orthodox fields just didn't work to him, so he had to mix it up. He had to do something differently yeah. and make him think differently. Um, yeah. But I always remember that man, you know, do what the batsman doesn't want you to do, exactly, um, and try and upset them and try and you know put them off guard and make them change their game. Um, and that was, you know, that was the key for me, I think, for for, for captaining, get everyone on board. And yeah, it's it's the it's the field settings, it's the it's the little change of field. It's, I think it's you know watching that batsman come in for the first couple of balls and trying to work him out. That's what I always enjoy doing. Where is he going to score? What what's his favourite shots? And can we prevent him scoring? And yeah, it's all the little nuances that that can really you know make that game 
I think and so. I do, and I do think good captains, can, they can change games. Um, you know, whether they react to things quicker, yeah. you know, whether you can just see the way someone's gripping the bat, you can just tell yeah. whether they're going to put it through gully or they're more of a leg side player. Again, yeah. over the years, you know where these players are going to be hitting it. Um, but that was, you're, you're right, it's... It, it, it's, it's, it's trying to be, you know, quick on your feet and try and change the game as quickly as possible in your favour. Okay, let's move on to uh, players who you think are gonna are gonna be good in the future. Yeah, I play. I mean, I mentioned I played. You know, so I play for um, or been a member for the MCC for a few years, and I played against this lad at Eastbourne College last year, Tawanda Muwayi. Well, yeah, I've, got that I've right. seen him on Twitter. Just he's just been, uh, yeah, Wisden Young Cricketer of the Year. He's still got another year to go at Eastbourne College and played against him. And he was just just a different level. So, you know, he's one that you just, I mean, go on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and have a look at what he does. It's uh, it's pretty phenomenal. I think he's only just turned 17. Um, but we have, you know, we've been lucky with, you know, Kieran Carson and Prem Sisadia at Cardiff. You know, I think we, we identified them, you know, quite early on that they were going to be good players. And we, you know, we try to sort of affect their pathway at, at Cardiff to make sure that they, you know, fulfilled their promise as much as possible. But I think, you know, three at the moment, you've got Tegid Phillips, the young spinner who's um, who's going to, yeah, he's, he's again, he's, he's growing up nicely. And I think he's learning his game very well. And, then, you know, Matt John, who's in the, who's in the uh, Glamorgan setup, mm-hmm. Matthew Johns. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the young lad Evan Bynes, who's um, who's actually just been taken on at Worcester Academy, um, so right. he's in the Cardiff setup, and I think he's gonna. I'd have loved to have played this year. I'm not sure if we're gonna get on the field, but I think he would have surprised a lot of people. He's tall, he's strong. He's been doing a bit of work with Kevin Lyons, you know, on really the sort of yeah. the, the simple basics and hitting the line and hitting the length. And uh, I faced him in the nets a couple of months ago, and um, yeah, he's, he's he's. I think he'll surprise a few people in the next couple of years. Excellent. Right, so uh, moving on then. Um, now, obviously, like you say, we've we've played quite a while. Funniest moments in cricket that you've seen? I was probably the one that stands, and there's you know what it's like. We you know we've played enough cricket together uh, over the years, but there was one at Chepstow, and we were Chris Fowler was bowling. People played at Chepstow. Chris Fowler was bowling right to left or down the hill as I see it. And uh, the batsman just tickled it down leg side to Matt Smart, who was on the 45. And Smarty picked this ball up and threw it like an exocet to the bowler's end. And the non-striker was running down and the ball just collided into his box. And this guy just stopped dead. Um, and I've, it was the sound. It was the fact that he just stopped it. Honestly, he's like been hit by a missile. And for about... 10 minutes this poor guy I, I can't remember who it was but he was getting medical attention but the the problem was we couldn't start the game afterwards because we were just Chris Fowler was halfway through his run up just started giggling and then something else happened so for about another three five minutes or so after that I've um that's yeah you hear about batters being hit in the box when the you know when, they're, not when, when you're running batting, yeah. but not when you're running the guy just stopped dead and crumpled up in a heap and i well i, I imagine I, he's I, running <laughs> onto it as well so oh he's like, double yeah it's the pace of it yeah he's not even running away well if you're listening <laughs> out there chap still players we want to know who that was yeah we want to oh, know who fantastic. it was fantastic i do I, oh, I feel sorry for the guy but you've uh you've it's one of those ones that you still now i sort of wake up in the middle of the night and think about it i thought oh, i just have a little chuckle to myself <laughs> Uh, okay, then. Uh, well, apart from that, what, what other standout memories have you got from uh, from cricket? Uh, again, I've been lucky. I played I played at Lords a couple of times. Um, 
And then I, I took part in a world record attempt in 2009. We played a, a game of T20 cricket near base camp on Mount Everest. Like, how um, did you get into that? It was my cousin. He's, he just comes up with these ideas now and again. And he's usually one of these ideas that just disappears and nothing really happens with. And this one he actually followed through on. Um, so we played on a sort of dried out um, lake. Yeah, so it was flat. There was a few rocks we had to get away. Um, but yeah, we ended up, yeah, so played the highest game of um, cricket at the time. So that was 5,200 5, metres. Um, so that yeah. was, that's something we were we were really proud of. And I look back at that, you know, 10, 11 years on. And, uh, but I think the stuff in Cardiff, you know, we, as a Cardiff team, we, we, we'd ended up probably second or third in the league for probably, four or five years then in 2009 we did the league and the cup double and I remember Mike O'Shea played that year um and we played some really great cricket that year but I think 2011 um again the season Matt played for us was probably I think the probably best cricket I've played at um at, at card if we got into the last 16 in the national cup um but you know we dominated the league and, and I think that was proud because you know when you're captain you when you lose or you miss out on stuff, you, you you take it quite bad. But when you do things and plans come together, it's uh it's a it's a great position to be in. So I think yeah, two thousand and nine, two thousand and eleven were probably the standout times for me. Yeah, and and proudest moment, you know. I think those are the proudest times. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I scored a fair few runs for Cardiff over the years, and that's something I look back on and always be pretty proud of. I think Greg's going to break that pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, as I said, you know, when you're captain, the losses are harder, the, the winnings are, are, are yeah. just great. And I look back at some of the photos and some of the memories when you get back to those old players with Richie and Robbie Weston and, you know, Butts and people like that. And, uh, yeah, I think we, you know, we created a, a nice environment to play cricket and, uh, you know, successful at the time as well. Yeah. Just like I say, you know, you've scored over 10,000 runs for Cardiff, which just shows the amount of, <laughs> of cricket that you've played. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to comprehend how long we've been playing the game, I think. I and uh, yeah, so good. Well, as I said, when that, we mate, first started, we were, we were, we didn't have mobiles. We didn't have emails, Richie. Yeah. No. I think, I think I had a pager at one point. And a lot of our runs are on play cricket, mate. You've got to remember exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, a question I've been asking everyone, obviously you've played cricket <clears throat> in Wales for 20 years. Yeah. How do you think that it can move on from where it is at the minute? Um, I think on the field, I think it would naturally adapt and evolve. I, 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 I wish clubs wouldn't, would, would just stop paying average players um, in some cases, huge sums of money for playing. I just, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't get it from a club perspective. I think, you know, I look at some clubs and I just wish they took the longer term view, invest in their facilities, their coaching programs and have a longer term plan of where they're going to be and say, you know, five to 10 years rather than actually we need to be successful this year. Um, and I, I think the onset of that is that you're not necessarily getting the best players in the region playing at the best clubs. Um, no. And I, I just... I don't blame the players. I do you know what they, you can't you know, blame they, the players. They've no. got bills to pay and mortgages to pay and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I, I completely understand it from a playing perspective. I, I just don't get it from a from a club perspective. And, and possibly, I think Mark O'Leary's spoken about it. Maybe overseas players would improve standard yes. on the field. So me and Mark, me and Mark had a chat about you know uh, players being paid and, and getting the right players. If you are gonna. Yeah. you're gonna pay money. Uh, but it was actually me and Sean. You know, we had a little chat about it. Sean. Uh, up in North Wales, they've still got overseas players. Yeah. And 
the impact, he says, of having a real good overseas player is tremendous on the club and the players in it. And yeah. he said, well, one of the main things is, is that you can't, that, that player is over here and he is committed to that club 100% yeah. of the day. So yeah. he's involved in the um, the preparation of the wicket, the bar, doing all everything around the ground, all the ground maintenance. Then he's involved in the coaching. He takes it, you know, he's, he's there every night. And then... Yeah. And then he plays for you on a Saturday. Um, mm. And what Sean was saying is that, you know, a lot of clubs are paying money just for someone to turn out on a Saturday. Yeah, and, I, I mean, I, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it at Bridge End. You know, Diver was at Bridge End, but, and, but just did a brilliant job. And I think, you know, you hear Brad talk about how influential mm. Diver was at Bridge End. Yeah. And, you know, you see the players coming out of there. And Darren Thomas did the same sort of thing at Mumbles. You know, Matt was brilliant for us in 2011. You know, he turned up to yeah. every single practice session. He helped out with the juniors. You know, Kieran still remembers some of the sessions they had with Matt. So I think you actually get the right the right people who are absolutely invested in the club. Um, yeah. and I, as I said, I think the overseas would would help with that. Um, but then, I mean, off the field, I think there's there's a couple of things. I think just as a cricket community, we could get better at off the field. I think staying for a drink after the games is 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 just one thing that I've always. Um, instilled certainly the, the the teams that I've captained and play with even if it's 10 minutes you have a can of coke and then you're on your way um, but I just don't think we talk about cricket enough and and yeah. you know you always see you always see the game from your perspective or your team's perspective and I think we can learn so much from the opposition so do you know what when we were 60 for three what were you guys thinking how did you think the game was played you know and I think we don't talk about it enough and you'll you'll probably find out that you know there's a few seasoned old pros um are really happy to pass on their knowledge and experience and their perception of what's going on. And I think, you know, I think that's what comes from, you know, staying for a drink after the game. And, you know, you yeah. make, make you make some great mates uh, as well. Again, I've, you know, I've got some great friends now. I've never played cricket with. I've never shared a changing room with. But, you know, we've played against each other for the best part of 20 mm. years. And they're uh, they're good friends now. Yeah, without a doubt, staying for, staying for a, a beer after the game, you know, it's so important. It brings your club together as well. And there's yeah. nothing worse when you when you play against a team and particularly when you you play away and then you go into the clubhouse after for a drink yeah. and, and there's no one there and you're like, oh, really? But we won't mention names. No, we won't <laughs> mention any names. Uh, but yeah, and again, those old guys, I suppose, who've who've been there, done it, maybe having a little bit more impact on on the game in Wales? Yeah, I think, you know, I, you know, you've had some great people on the podcast. I know the, you know, the ones that you've put out already, and I know you've got some in the can, so to speak, but yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, there are people like you and me, Richie, I, I think we've got so much to contribute to the game and, and actually make the administration better. And whether it's on the cricket Wales board or on the league committees, um, I just think we've, we've got a lot of value and experience to, to, to pass on as well as sort of being in touch um, with the game as it is. Um, so, you know, I think I, you know, I'd like to be more involved with it on, on a sort of cricket Wales level, you know, and I think people like yourself, Sparky, Sean Morris, those guys have got so much to offer. Um, and I, I, I just think, you know, we can do it from arm's length, but there's probably nothing better than actually being involved with the process and seeing what we can influence um, internally, I think, and making the, the game better as a whole in Wales. Superb, mate. Superb. Right then, we'll finish with some uh, quick fire uh -huh. questions. Okay, yeah. so uh, I, I'll give you the topic and you just uh, give me the answers off the top of your head, mate. Okay, yeah. here we go then. Best tea. Uh, Neath, you could definitely fill your boots at Neath. 
definitely you probably bat five or six there if you're batting second <laughs> best away ground Abergavenny uh, oh, uh yeah Abergavenny Mumbles I never really had much success at Mumbles but I enjoy playing there best dressed cricketer Ryan Watkins on the field coordinated his colours beautifully worst dressed cricketer you yeah, no, uh, Nye Norman, Nathan Millichip, both Cardiff City supporters, both dressed like that. Um, yeah, yeah. No Chip, Chippy, Chippy in his blue trainers a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's why he wasn't great. Uh, best sledger? Um, you always think of the Aussies, don't you? Dan Reese, we had in 2009-2011. I'm not sure he was the best, but he was the most aggressive and just sort of got to the point. Um, and then Paul Carter, who played for us for a while, he was probably the funniest and had the best banter along the way. Fastest bowler? Um, it was actually a guy called Alex Day who played for us for a couple of seasons and he we, we had a game against Bath in the National Cup at home and he bowled the speed of light. I remember I was standing at first slip and usually I want the bas- batter to nick it and I was like, please, just don't nick don't, it. Don't, don't come anywhere it. near me. And I think the Bath players, I met up with uh, one of the Bath players a couple of, years, uh, a couple of months ago and he still reckons that was the quickest they faced in their time as well. Biggest hitter? Um, Alan Thomas against Innes. I think he had a nine ball 50. <laughs> you do the math I got to do that. the math on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, die block? Uh, Jamie Sylvester. Butterfingers? Probably David Brown, who was Glamorgan for a while. He, he had fantastic hands, but we played Port Talbot. Dan Cherry chipped one up, um, just closed the face on it a little bit, and, and this ball just ballooned to da- Dave Brown at, at mid-wicket. It wasn't even ones he celebrate, and he put it down, and it was, uh, it was yeah, we just had the giggles after that for a while. And your favourite shot? Slog sweep. Just try and clear the front leg now. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> It's been brilliant catching up with you, particularly you talking too. about the, the good times uh, when we were back in Newark and, you know, the, the thoughts that you have, uh, how to improve cricket is, is certainly resonates with me. So, uh, and like you say, it's just talking about cricket, things to do after the game, have a chat. And I hopefully when people are listening to this, that uh, will we'll be a little substitute for the cricket that we're not playing at the minute. But uh, huge thanks, mate. Really yeah, interesting. Brilliant. Thanks uh, for having me. I loved it. And go well, mate. Okay, take care. Cheers, mate. Shout out. Bye. Great to catch up with Kurt, sir. Great to talk about the good old days, but also the way in which he uh, sees cricket improving in the future. I'd just like to remind you, if uh, you want your bat refurbed, maybe it's looking a little tired, then don't hesitate to get in touch. Uh, you can go to the website, jonesthebat.com, or search me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, And if I may be so bold to ask you to donate to my chosen charities, which are Prostate Cancer UK and Teenage Cancer Trust, you can buy a small bat sticker to show your support when you're out in the middle. The stickers cost £2.61. £2 goes directly to charity, while £61p goes towards a second-class stamp. You can find them on eBay. Just search Jones the Bat or go to my website, jonesthebat.com. So, just remains for me to say thank you to Dave Uh, And remember, if you like the podcast and you think others would too, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate and share on social media. Go well. Cheers, everyone. (laughs) 